0: In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we take up the episode by any other name. Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of Trekking Through Compliance. His mission, to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Episode 51 By Any Other Name. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the episode By Any Other Name, which aired on February 23, 1968, and occurred on start date 4657.5. Story Synopsis. After a landing party beams down to investigate a distress call, they are initially find no life form readings. However, Two perfect human life forms register and put in an appearance. They thank Kirk for responding so quickly to their distress call and demand that Kirk surrender the Enterprise. Before Kirk can take any action, they press buttons on their belt, which paralyze the landing party. It turns out that Commander Rojan and his companions Tomar, Hanar, Drea, and Kalinda are members of the Kelvin Empire from the Andromeda galaxy. They are members of a scouting party sent to search for a new planet since their olden will become unlivable within 10 millennia due to high radiation levels. However, the Kelvin ship was destroyed by an energy field at the edge of the Milky Way galaxy. The Kelvins were able to use shuttlecraft to reach their current planet but need a new ship to return to Kelvin. They also plan to modify the ship's engines to allow intergalactic travel so that the trip will be made within 300 years. When Rojan explains this to Kirk on the plan's surface, other Calvins take over the Enterprise. When imprisoned behind bars similar to Debrinium but denser, Lieutenant Shea advocates a forcible breakout. However, in an out-of-character move, Kirk suggests that Spock use a Vulcan mind-meld probe on Kalinda, similar to as he had done with the guard on Armenia 8. Spock is violently thrown back by Kalinda's reaction, but when she enters the cell to investigate, Kirk knocks her out and attempts to escape. Unfortunately, Kirk and the escapees don't get very far, and the Kelvins reduce Shea and Yeoman Thompson to two of their gray hydropharia, which purportedly contain their essences. Rojang crushes Thompson's polyhydrin as a warning to Kirk but restores Shea to human form. From his mind probe, Spock reports that the Kelvins are actually immense beings with 100 limbs which resemble tentacles. Spock pretends to be ill by going into a self-induced Vulcan coma and is permitted to be beamed up with Scotty. On board, McCoy tells Nurse Chapel to prepare two seas of Stokaline. McCoy pretends that Spock will be fine in several hours and is only suffering from a flare-up of Brazilian Cassava Fever. Kalinda admires the plants on the planet's surface and compares them to a Kelvin Sashir, a rose by any other name, according to Kirk. Spock and Kirk are beamed up to the ship and discover the Kelvin power source. Spock and Scott prepare to blow up the Enterprise when it passes through the negative energy barrier at the edge of the Milky Way galaxy. However, Kirk hopes to avoid destruction and so refuses to give the order. Actually, the Kelvins had discovered their plan and rendered it ineffective in any case. As soon as the Enterprise has passed the energy barrier, the Kelvins began reducing the crew one by one, with the exception of Kirk, Scott, McCoy, and Spock, to more gray polyhedra. While Tomar expresses a desire to sample the ship's food, Spock notes that since the Kelvins have taken human form, they seem to be indulging in sensory experiences which were heretofore unknown by them. Kirk suggests that this unfamiliarity with senses can be used to confuse the Kelvins, and Bones uses a stimulant formazine on Hanar to irritate him, telling him it is a vitamin shot. Kirk attempts to seduce Kalinda by kissing her, and Spock plays on Rojan's jealousy over the kissing incident. Scotty, in a hilarious scene, loads up Tomar on Saurian Brandy, and when he runs out, resorts to his secret stash of Scotch whiskey. But Drea is unaccountably left unaffected. When Rojan tells Kalinda to stay away from Kirk and she refuses, Rojan loses his temper and threatens to neutralize the rest of the humans. As Scott is about to celebrate drinking Tomar literally under the table, he too keels over in a dead faint. Rojan becomes increasingly jealous and engages in a fistfight with Kirk over Kalinda. The Kelvins are dismayed by their very human responses and fearful that, because of taking human form, they have portrayed their own form and their own culture. They are therefore convinced by Kirk and Spock to work with the Federation to find a habitable planet within the Milky Way galaxy for their people, and Rojan returns control of the Enterprise to Kirk. So what's the fun fact from this episode? Well, the title is part of a quotation from Romeo and Juliet, Act Two, Scene Two: What's in a Name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Kirk recites it to Kalinda. Is It is often used to convey the idea that although you can change the name of something, its nature will remain the same. In this case, the Kelvins become human, and in doing so, they start behaving as humans. One of the funniest scenes in this episode, and probably one of the funniest scenes in much of Star Trek, the original series, is the drinking scene between Scott and Tomar. It's echoed, however, throughout Star Trek, particularly in The Next Generation Relics. Not knowing what a drink is or the specific drink he's having, Data sniffs the bottle and repeats Scotty's lines that it is green. Picard later informs Scott that it was Aldebaran whiskey. Scott's slurred description of the bottle he shows to Tomar suggests he might know the drink's name, only forgot it later as a possible result of binge drinking. A similar, if not identical, green drink was also shown in In the Mirror Darkly, that's from the Enterprise, aboard the Constitution-class USS Defiant. After emptying a bottle of green, Scott tosses it to the door of his quarters and the sound of glass shattering is heard. However, later when Scott passes out in front of his door, the fully intact bottle is in the background. In the drinking contest, after they finish off the first three bottles, Scott shows Tomar his most prized possession, a rare 200-year-old Scotch whiskey. Finishing off this last bottle is what finally knocks Tomar out and Scotty as well. There are a couple of um, direct references to two previous episodes. After Rojan mentions the galactic barrier, Kirk says, Yes, we've been there, and that, of course, was where no man has gone before. Even Spock repeats his analysis of the barrier word for word. Density negative, radiation negative, energy negative. When the landing party is detained in a cave, Kirk recalls their imprisonment on Aminiar Five or Aminiar 7. And Spock uses a mind meld to fool the guards in a taste of Armageddon. There's a couple of other continuity pieces from this episode I'd like to raise. And Charlie X... Kirk tells Evans, Charlie Evans, there's no right way to hit a woman in this episode, or rather in the episode of the Gamesters of Triskelion. Kirk does, but he uses a karate chop on Kalinda. And finally, when Chekhov is neutralized at the navigation console, we see the main view screen in the background <clears throat> since that station faces the viewer. Instead, we see a different angle from the bridge, a red, Red rail broken at the left in front of two console chairs. So some interesting continuity issues from this episode. So what are the compliance and leadership takeaways from this episode? Well, the first one is, if you have a goal, uh, you need to keep your eye on that, but adapt. Here, the Kelvins were unable to uh, think through a way to adapt without uh, the intercession of Kirk and Spock. So... Uh, if you have a worthy goal, you can move towards that goal, but you need to be able to adapt. Uh, And in your compliance program, you adapt through ongoing monitoring, providing you with data, which allows you to make, make changes. So don't lose sight of your goal, but adapt. Two, as a chief compliance officer, you have to take care of yourself. I don't want to suggest that your body is a temple, although there are some that think that, but the bottom line is, if you're a corporate officer and you're working long hours and you're frazzled to the bone, you're doing nobody any good by uh, by so doing so. So, as a corporate officer, you need to figure out a way to take care of yourself. Whether that's eating healthy, whether that's exercise, whether that's downtime, whether it's getting away from email, kind of it may be all of those things. But try and um, take care of yourself. And then finally, uh, in the last point. Does your company have a EAP system, Employee Assistance Program? EAP systems are in place for people uh, with addiction issues, but a wide variety of other mental health issues as well. So do you have one within your organization, and how is it monitored? Join us tomorrow when we take up the episode, The Omega Glory.